I always found it interesting where, like, artists, anytime they um, have a new album, they're like, yeah, our old stuff is just, like, awful. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Your old stuff is great. And then once we started doing the podcast, I kind of started to understand that because I'm like, our old stuff sucks. And then, and then I get people, <laughs> totally, totally. Like, episode eight is great. I'm like, you're all idiots. Um, <laughs> I used to think that it was kind of like a marketing scheme where it's like, no, this stuff is bad. This album's good. But now, now I, I kind of get that. But do you have that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, as you uh, now that you've seen, you know, the, the more, uh, you know, the more you've put your shoulder to the plow and put your thoughts out there and recorded groundbreaking podcasts, you know, you look back <laughs> at what you've done and, and you as an artist, as a writer, as a songwriter, you want to. You want to keep improving on your craft, and so like I don't even, I don't even sell my first album anymore. I'm like, if you <laughs> if you really want to find it, it's uh, somewhere on the yeah, Japanese it's... bookshelves. But other than that, it's now it's nowhere. You can get it off your sweet Ben uh, MySpace page, and that's about it. <laughs> did you have a MySpace page? Absolutely, everybody ben did. Walter music, rocking your face off. <laughs> Yeah, MySpace was a wild world, man. That was the first time I, I uh, sat up late at night, um, you know, just working on this site, thinking this is going to be awesome. And before I knew it, what was the next thing? Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. Me. So I and I never, I still haven't. Facebook. Yeah. I still have not got into Facebook. Oh, you were so man. crushed, so <laughs> crushed by the MySpace so backlash. When I worked at Porch Rocking Records, it was at that sweet spot where it was still extremely big. And so I got tons of bands who were like interested in being on the, well, not like tons, but I definitely had like a couple of artists that I was like, hey, come and be on this label. Uh, and uh, that was like my favorite part of my job where I just would go onto MySpace and just like find bands that I thought were like extremely cool. Oh, wow. I spent hours doing that. It was so much fun. Then I had to get a real job. Yeah. So, dude, when, like, when did you? Uh, when were you in Idaho? So I was in Idaho in gosh, from 2011 to 2013. So two school years. I uh, was. I, I I like to explain it as I was an interim principal at a very small K through 12. Now it's a Catholic school. So now my question for you, Luke, is how many people did you fire during your reign of terror? <laughs> Too many. <laughs> how many, Luke? Say it. <laughs> this sounds okay, there's a lot of context. <laughs> so you need to understand this. But from the time I started to the time that I ended, like uh like eleven people dude, left. <laughs> dude. Yeah. That is Luke has to take off his socks in order to count that eye. Wow. What do you use for the eleventh person? Never mind. <laughs> Don't answer that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. So again, there's a lot of we context. call it we call it the catching foxes bump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, well, this has been catching foxes with Ben Walther. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> now that we've hit that, so um, like, what do you? So, gosh, um, there's like so many things that I want to talk to you about, um, but but before. Uh, like you've you've heard our podcast, yeah. Oh, before, yeah. Right. okay, cool. 
Uh, so I just don't want to. Wow, Luke, this is the first person we've interviewed has has actually heard the podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> I felt so bad when we interviewed um, Liga Daro. I just I thought that she knew us because she followed us on Twitter. And at the end, I was like, we were like, yeah, this is just more of a conversation. You can say anything that you want. We've got an explicit tag. Everyone kind of knows that it's a place where people just kind of go to, like, have interesting, uh, you know, chats and stuff. And she goes, oh, I wish I had, like, known that. Or, like, you know, at the end, I was like, oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Luke, I guess an introduction would be good. Mm -hmm. So, Ben, who are you? She's awesome. Well, I take, like... (laughs) Luke, I guess it was maybe a year ago. I think like last July or August, we were um, talking about trying to do this. And I regret that it didn't happen then, but I was just jogging and listening to one of your latest ones um, where Mr. Carey was on. And I just thought, man, I honestly, I would just love to call and talk to you guys for an hour. That's basically what this is. So I'm glad we could do it. Yeah, Yeah, me too. uh, Especially since the one that inspired you was... Mr. Carey, where I interviewed him and, and Luke was nowhere was to be nowhere. found. <laughs> nowhere to be found. Super nowhere. peculiar. He was not involved at all. <laughs> it was his own apartment, but nowhere to be found. <laughs> I went out to get some drinks uh, <laughs> over at the good old UDF. Um, so, yeah, so, okay, so Ben, so you, you're back to doing music full, full-time, right? Yep, yep, back to doing music full-time. Uh, let's see. I guess some of the big milestones, you know, we were, we were in Houston for 10 years. Um, loved it. I was very comfortable there. But my wife, Maria, whom you've interviewed before, is mm-hmm. a Cleveland native. So we moved up we moved up to Northeast Ohio four years ago to be close to our family. And I love it, man. I love it up here so much. Um, so there's that. And I started, I took a teaching position um, because... Um, when we when we moved here, I was full time um, itinerant ministry, and I I mean I don't know how much I want to get into that. I I love it, but like a lot of others, you know, I just I I'm always looking for ways to be more involved here because I firmly believe that the best the best stuff that happens happens at the local level, you know, at the parish level, the community level, and so, um, you know. I think it's all important though, you know, and you guys, you guys, I think would agree with that. I mean, the events that we do, it's not throwaway ministry, uh, but at the same time, the real nuts and bolts, you know, I mean, when, if you're, if you're full-time out on the road, I think I, I, I just miss being really connected with people. So we've got a great men's group here that we're planning a, you know, planning a men's retreat and, um, just some really cool things that are happening here in our community. We've, we've got a door, we brought a door to the parish. Uh, we just finished our third semester and so things are there's some things like that that are i'm seeing really you know really bearing fruit in the community and i love my parish love my parish um love our community it's a small town and uh maria and i have six kids we got a freshman in high school now so wow, there's no yeah way. she's uh in fact that right before we hopped on I, I just came back from a we had a um reception tonight she sings in the choir and the choir she goes to this huge public school down the road she's the first one in our family to go to public school and even even i know <laughs> i know the lion's den uh, the lion's and uh and that's where we're tested dude, her her choir director is a is a uh um a young life 
leader in the community and brings a ton of sacred music into the repertoire. And at the end of every concert, they sing the Lord bless you and keep you. Uh, it's gorgeous. Gorgeous. Isn't that cool? That, yeah. And he's been there 27 years. So he's very well respected. So that's, that's kind of the, the sentiment I bring with me tonight. Just really just grateful for this community. And I love it here. That's cool. It's, I think when I look back on probably the past like two months of our podcast, um, maybe a, a bit longer, but like there's been this continual um, conversation that we've had about the importance of community and roots, mm-hmm. which I, I and I think we kind of have the, I think as a whole everyone understands the importance of community. Now I don't know if they're actually trying uh, trying to like live that out but i do think that there's this kind of conversation going on with a lot of people that i've talked to about like the real profound like lack of roots that mm-hmm. that we have mm-hmm. and when you talked about like just being in your community it reminded me of that a little bit yeah, it's a really hard thing for me to understand is how can you have community without videos of a community group? <laughs> Do you have a small group ministry? <laughs> because if not, I got one to sell you. How would you how would you so community is big for us because all three of us were in AMGT right. at Franciscan. Imagine that. How did that happen? Yeah. Uh, how, how did how did you end up on our show? That's crazy. <laughs> so, uh, <random. laughs> yeah. so insular, I believe, is the word, or incestuous. But um, <laughs> we always would talk about community in college. Like, one of the biggest things that everyone would hate on AMDG for is we were a clique. And I would explain to people, listen, we might be a clique. Okay, I'm not going to argue. <laughs> but... We definitely are a clique, but 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 I would say this: I every one of my brothers is also my friend, and it's not like that in other households. But in our household, now there's some friends I'm closer to, some friends I, you know, I would inv- I would invite over, but uh, small doses. But they're they're still my friend, and so I would say to people, I have 40 friends. How can how I'm am I a bad guy because I don't have 41? <laughs> and I don't think people understand that because community. We would literally talk about community. Yeah. Or at least it was it was the buzzword of our household, which is probably why it's the buzzword on this podcast. <laughs> or maybe it's just because I'm selfish and want to fight Luke all the time. But <laughs> how – what do you think – did high school – was high school import, or high school was uh, – <laughs> ooh, I let the cat out of the bag. Was AMDG, which is not high school, uh, was that important for you in community, like community formation, who you are as a man? No, not really. Do you, no, no, no you know what it was. It was uh... – Hugely detrimental. It was very much a distraction <laughs> from the real work of the Lord. Yeah. Hell, <laughs> hell, um, help me back. Surprisingly so. Um, <laughs> I loved it, and I was very uncomfortable at times. At the same time, I think I think which brings with the nudity. It was the nudity. Actually, the nudity was no problem for me. It was um, the proximity uh, and feeling of naked uh, men. Well, the proximity of naked men. Or just, are we off the... Oh, we're not talking about nudity anymore. Okay, go on. <laughs> you know, I, um, yeah, I brought, I brought with me to, to college some depression and, uh, you know, brought that in. So like when you choose, when you choose a household, uh, you know, these are guys that you gravitate towards and I loved, hey, and I love my kids are knocking at the door. What? Am I being too loud? Hey. 
Oh, they're coming in to say goodnight. Hey, guys. <laughs> oh, look at that. Your little oh, community. Nice. My little community. community. The proximity of, oh. of nakedness. Ow. What? <laughs> <laughs> the fruit of your loins. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys know about that stuff? No. Ublek. Do you know what Ublek is? No. All right. I do not. I'm going to share this with your listeners. Can I go? It is one part cornstarch and one part water. And when you mix it together, when you, when you, when oh, you apply pressure yeah. to this stuff, it, oh, it, it, yeah. it hardens. And then when you let it go, it turns into liquid. You call it Ublek? That's what it's called. We, we called it. What do we call it? We called it. I don't know. Isn't, it sounds kind of a putty thing almost. Like a slime, yeah, like, like the like um, the old Ghostbusters slime thing from the eighties. Slimer, yeah, but if you but if you punch it, it's hard. It's like it resists your fist. Maybe it resists your it's fist, wild. but not mine. I'm a man. I'm a man, <laughs> Ben. Nice. <laughs> well, I wish I could be more like you. <laughs> I uh, I write <laughs> blogs for the art of manliness. That's how manly I am. No, I don't. I've, I've never done that. That's a goal, though. That's a goal. Life goal. I love that I, site. I, I do, too. Site. Isn't that great? That site, like, say my humanity. It's a great site. It's a great I site. I hated that web. What's I hated the idea of that website. And I was like, oh, here's more reasons why I should cower in fear of not being a real man. Oh, come on. Come on, athletes, and humiliate me. Oh, let's talk about how much you can squat. And then I got the website, and I'm like, I have daddy issues. I need all of this. <laughs> I never learned how to die a dog. <laughs> I never got a merit badge for jack squat. Oh, no, brokenness. <laughs> I've actually used – I've had to go onto the, on, onto the website a – couple of times to learn how to like do things it, like like check my air pressure change a tire oh yeah tie a windsor tie a windsor? Like, I mean, so many oh that's awesome practical yeah. Things. yeah i had to do the same thing a full windsor yeah you're you're really not a man unless you could tie a full windsor knot and then defend yourself against an assailant <laughs> <laughs> with with the, with your windsor knot and a pen knife that you always keep with you <laughs> Oh, it's awesome. Okay, what, I feel like we were on something earlier. Now it's gone. Yeah, you were talking about coming to AM. Yeah, and you you brought with yourself to college a little bit of depression, stuff like that. Yeah, a little, little bit of depression, and I mean, I think like um, it, I also also just being an like an introvert at times, you know, like so when I, whenever I take the Myers Briggs now, I'm on the. I'm like on the cusp. I'm on the threshold. So I could go either way. You better watch out. <laughs> I could, I could, I, I'm on the fence. But, uh, but household I felt like was so, I mean, we were living in such proximity. And then, you know, there's times of the week where you have to get together to pray and share from your Mm-mm. deepest heart. And a little bit of that was uncomfortable for me, but it taught me that community's not when, you know, not just for the times that it's comfortable. And in fact, the best community happens when we push ourselves to go beyond what we think we should be giving or sharing, um, you know, generously with other people because they need that too. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So there's been times here where I just, you know, like the night of an door night, you know, a door would come around and I just, I don't, I don't feel like it. I, I would, I'd like to call it off. I'd like to fake a cough so we could call it off. Uh, but 
it's a challenge, I think, to live in that kind of proximity because if we're honest, a lot of us, we're happy to, to, to punch in the time clock on Sundays. That's for those of us that are going to church. And mm -hmm. then we're, we're very, very quick to leave without getting into too many, you know, deep conversations. And uh, we're, we Catholics are very good at avoiding the deeper, richer community. Um, this is where I think we have a lot to learn. And um, Gomer, I'm hoping you could teach us. Well, I have a five-part video series <laughs> available for free on YouTube. And all you have to do is watch it personally by yourself, and immediately you'll become canonizable. And submit a blood sample. <laughs> uh, blood, blood, sweat, or urine. Just blood, sweat, or urine. <laughs> you chose. Consume this thing, and then give me one of those three things, and we're good. You have to consume a mystery mm. vial. It's no mystery to me. I know exactly what it is. Anywho. Yeah, you know, one of the biggest things, I mean, for me with AMDG, and no, this is not going to be about all of this episode, all about AMDG. Yes, it is. But one of the things that was big for me was a community of men that gave a crap about their faith in a yep. way that didn't feel like it was castrating me as a man. Because yep. for so much of my life, being a good Catholic man meant being a sweet little boy. You know what I mean? Mm. There was so much, uh, and Luke actually, I'm mean, honestly, if, if, if I could point to a couple books that really helped me, one of which was recommended by Ben, um, oh crap, I just, uh, Hickman, which was, and everyone in household was reading it, but he's the one that started talking about it, and that's where I was like, ah, which is, um, Wild at heart. Yeah, wild at wild heart. At that heart. was so big for me, especially the phrase, I always wanted to play the night. I just never wanted to bleed like one. And that, mm. to me, was my struggle with masculinity. And it mm -hmm. was very, very real and apparent to me that I avoided all the hurt and the humility that came with just trying to become a man. I avoided it. I was scared of it. And yet, I, I wanted everyone to think I was, you know, or I wanted yeah. to feel like it. So... Uh, pornography makes you feel like a man without asking anything of you, you mm -hmm. know. And it real and so that was the first book that really helped me go through this. But the other one was a book that Luke that I still have Luke's copy of, um, No More Mister Nice Guy. And that book really showed me how most nice guys, the friend zone guys, we are there because of a complete passivity towards masculinity and towards women. And we end up in the friend zone because we don't have the, uh, I don't know, the, the where. You, the, the, yeah, so it's, the idea is that you, um, mm. you don't think that you can provide for your own um, needs. And so you expect others to do that, especially the acceptance yeah. of women. You put that on a... Uh, pedestal mm. and so and, and and i think and it's kind of interesting because within the church and i this is where i this is where i kind of wrestled with with all of that because within the church there is this emphasis on god's going to provide you with what he, with like all your needs in the sense of like look to him like he's going to give you what you need not always not always what you want but like this is kind of like a real I mean, this gets a little bit. This um, that book points towards this 
deeper kind of like kind of womb that I think a whole lot of um, guys have, which is that I am somehow ex- I am somehow ex- extremely flawed, and I'm incapable of really doing anything to make up for them. Mm. So you have, so I, I just, in my own experience in ministry and just in life, I've seen a um, whole bunch of boys and men who lack confidence, mm-hmm. like real born. Like again, that, that, that kind of thing of like, Oh, if my car breaks down, I know how to, I know how to, I know how to, how to fix this yeah. or I can take care of that. Or I'm, you know, and I think that's a really, um, and I, I, I like, honestly, at, at times I think the church, because, it kind of points towards that um, emasculation that uh, you were talking about earlier, Gomer, where we um, like we think those things are bad. To be confident is to be prideful, and I don't know if that's always oh, true. Yeah, I remember that huge <laughs> back and forth that me and you had. You got to be confident in the Lord, and you're like, you got to be confident in yourself, and we just went back and forth for literally twenty minutes. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, <laughs> was that a podcast? Well, you know, just because I want to go literally, that, that was a podcast. Yes. That was a it real was early one. Yeah, we, well, we it was the first one where we actually argued, and it was kind of nice because it was just like because it wasn't always just like here's a friendly talk. It's like no, son of a bitch. <laughs> he called me fat at one point, and I was like, bring it on, bring it on, dude. That's awesome. That's true friendship. So I yeah. so so I got to household. Um, my parents, my parents divorced when I was 15. My dad was unfaithful. He had several affairs that we knew about. Um, and he was, he was really, his first lover was to his work. And so he worked longer and longer mm-hmm. hours, you know, and that, that, that's for a lot of guys, that's the first acceptable mistress to have, right? Is your work, uh, whatever mm-hmm. takes you away from, from the wife and kids at home. And so that's kind of like, I showed up to campus. Um, I had, I had been going through in high school, deep conversion, and I, I was coming to know the father who was teaching me things that, that, you know, no man had taught me uh, on the earth. He was initiating me. And so when I graduated college and I got into youth ministry, one of my very first teens gave me a copy of that book, um, Wild at Heart. And for me, it was the, it was the notion that, you know, God, like, for thousands of, since the beginning of time, boys learned how to be a man through close proximity with their father and hours and hours and hours of time spent with their father out in the fields, out in his shop, learning how to do what he does, you know, and taking all the cuts mm-hmm. and bruises that comes with learning the trade, you know, learning the family business, whatever. And I realized, holy crap, I never had that time. You know, I never had hours and hours. Yeah. Um, I never had that, that process happen. So I felt like my household brothers, and you guys had something to do with that. My household brothers did a lot of that for me. You know, they, as scripture says, iron sharpens iron. And we did, we did that for each other. Mm. Um, wh- whatever was lacking in our formation up to that point in the first 18 years, you know, hopefully in, in, the, in the, the gauntlet of, of AMDG uh, in three or four years, you pick up, you know, a bunch of the pieces that you didn't, that you didn't come in with. Hopefully. I think that's a, ideally what should be happening in a fraternity, you know. That's what happened um, with me because um, my dad was, I mean, out of the 18 years that I was home, he worked for maybe actually like one of them because of his like disability. And so there were just so many small things that I just did not know about. Mm-hmm. 
like I didn't know about a credit report. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Or just like like just like these little like weird things I just no one had ever really taught me or just like what it's like to have to balance your career and work, you know, and all these just little things that you tend to learn from your dad. I mean, like there was a whole bunch of stuff from him that um, I got, like especially with, with regards to how to live my faith and how to like really be in love with, uh, you know, mm-hmm. with Christ and, and like all this, but you know, there, there are those like little itty bitty small things. And at times those are like really like, you know, these like huge yeah. gigantic things that because our dads, they are, they are incredibly flawed because they're like human beings that we, you know, what can make up for that. I think that's a, that's one of the really great parts of being in an intentional community at that, you know, 18 to 22 year old range is like how it challenges you. And like what, that's a really great point about how you said about how like things that you did not know or that, you know, that you kind of lacked growing up. Life skills, John Drizaldi. <laughs> Fashion skills, Adam Fazzi. Music skills, Luke. <laughs> exactly. Theology, Gomer. <laughs> <laughs> that was our foursome. And yes, I called a foursome. Um, with me, one of the big things... I don't know if you, I feel like every man needs an initiation. Right. Right. Because for men, I mean, we go through puberty and while certain things change, it's not like what happens to a woman. And for a woman, there's a very definitive pubescent moment where she becomes a woman. Right. And that's when Aunt Flo visits. Right. And for men, right. And for men, We've every ancient culture in the world until modern times has had initiation rituals to take people from being boys to being men, where the whole culture at that moment acknowledges, boom, now you are a man. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, what mm-hmm. one of the priests, Father Richard, something he talked about, uh, JD Flynn talked about it with us that. He studied all of these cultures and realized that men in prison have never had these things. So in his prison ministry, he started incorporating that. And I started to realize that things like, you know, for for those, like fraternity life, like being hazed and initiation rituals that kind of go along with it. The reason why there is so, and we just, you know, the tragic death of this person recently um, being mm-hmm. hazed and being taken all over the place and he, he died. It's horrible, horrible, disgusting. But there is this, prof- people don't understand this. There is a profound lack in men today from from knowing like, okay, yeah, now I'm a man. I mean, even in even That's in right. the Art of Manly, this is a whole article called How to Become a Man. Start doing things that men do and then you'll feel like a man. But there's never this time when the culture looks at you know, a 20-something person be like, now, good sir, you are a man. You get your driver's license, you graduate high school. Those rituals were very big back then. But now that we have college, and now it's grad school, and, you know, it's all this stuff that when you get your first job, you just you just feel, like, saddled with stuff rather than initiated yep. into something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's that's well said. There's, there's another book I was going to bring up. Uh, have you read Iron John? I have not. By Robert Bly? That's a good one. You'd like that too. Mm-hmm. It's all about what you're saying. Really? Yeah, it's all about what you're saying. The lost, the lost practice of initiating men, and um, really fascinating what what young men are asked to do, um, you know, around the world and in, in modern cultures, but in his, his ancient cultures as well. Uh, but but you're right. And when the guys would come back 
to the tribe or to the village or to the town, everybody knew he, something's changed in him. You know, now he's he's being accepted as an adult, as a man. And our standards today, there's nothing for us to conquer. You know, it's like conquer high school, okay. You know, conquer uh, conquer university life, okay. Uh, then get a job, and it's like you know the greatest thing we could conquer would be to get to to get a six figure salary. Or more, mm-hmm. but that's a lame thing to conquer, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Or, or my yeah. ideal, which is a passive income, huh? Passive income. Sitting <laughs> at home, I'm just chilling. Money's rolling in, royalties, baby. My slippers. <laughs> yeah, write those TV songs. Uh, I, yeah, you know, and um, one of the things that we've been experiencing in the ministry that I'm involved with, choose my words, very carefully here is just really trying to emphasize experiences almost like a pilgrimage you know and, and i think when you when you think back on like what was it that helped those boys become men it was the experience of that it was going out and having to hunt mm-hmm. for like a week or you know just something where they said i experienced this thing that transformed my life or like really helped me see what i was capable of or what I wanted to strive for. And we don't really have that Mm -hmm. anymore. You know, like we just have, Hey, uh, give me the answers and you pass. Even with a lot of the stuff we do within the church, Mm -hmm. it's still like, Hey, um, just pass this thing. And now you can teach people how to be a, um, a disciple. Yeah, it is. But I'm excited because I think we're beginning to understand that uh, we can use better language than that, you know. And I love, I love it when I hear somebody tell Saint Ignatius's story. For example, you know, <laughs> took a cannonball to the leg, uh, laying in bed, you know, read the books of the saints, and and wanted to be a knight. And then when he healed from that, wanted to be a knight for the Lord. And and uh, the language that we use, I've heard many vocations directors um, and rectors at seminaries, you know, come and talk to youth about join this knighthood, join this adventure. You know, being a priest is, um, it's not about losing your manhood, but about maximizing it and, and, and living it to its potential. Um, and I think we can, we can even do better, but it's, it's exciting for me to, I'm sure you guys have heard that too. I heard some of that language out there that we're, we're telling the, the great stories of our faith and telling them in such a way that, that invites people into the adventure of Christianity, not, not, um, you know, memorize. <laughs> Every bishop wants to know the the gifts of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, and how exciting! Uh, well, another aspect of it that I'm discovering within myself is the physical aspect, right? And I think there is this component of our modern era because everything is so technological. I, I'm I'm really keyed in lately. Um, I got a buddy, Brian Jones. He was on one of our episodes on uh, interview with a peeping Thomist, and he sends me all these all these articles about, um, you know, basically ma- modern man's alienation from the world around him because of mm-hmm. things like technology. And we've talked about it, you know, the anima technica mm-hmm. vacua, which is this vacuum created inside the soul of a man because of technology. And all these different aspects that we don't know how to relate to our, our world around us. And, you know, and I just want to point out these two two things that have really struck me is number one, the decline. And if you, you don't have to accept Mike Rose 
libertarianism. But Mike Rowe, the guy that hosted Dirty Jobs, he makes a very strong point that in our culture, starting in the 70s, we distinctly tried to move, move kids away from trades as a profession and into college. And we thought that made us better as a people. And so it's like, okay, great. Now you have $60,000 worth of debt, and you're going for a corporate job that everyone else is applying for. Meanwhile, there, were, mm-hmm. there are over, right now in the United States today, over 5 million unfilled skilled labor jobs, the trades, right? Plumbers and mm-hmm. electricians and all that stuff. But we deliberately discourage our kids, and we, we you know, the plumber who's fat and his ass cracks hanging out and blah, blah, blah. We, like, stigmatize that stuff. But if you think about it, just a little bit before this whole technological revolution, trades were passed on father to son. You know, and now that is, that is utterly, now the work has nothing to do with the home. How can a dad, other than teaching a kid how to use Excel, how can an accountant really pass on the trade when, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, how can, how can, like, I can take my kid to events and I can teach my kid oratory and rhetoric and stuff like that, but that's not really what I do. I don't just give talks. I walk with people and disciple them and counsel them and talk about stuff and be a sounding board for them and yell and scream at them and all sorts of stuff. But so there's this notion of like the further we get away from trades, the less in tune we are with that father-son relationship. And then on top of that, the more we rely on technology, the more alienated we are from the from what's around us. And this is a point I'm just gonna end here that really drove this home for me was I listened to his book and this guy says, How how much do you know? Like you know how to post on Facebook. But do you know how to, like, look up at the sky and identify various stars? Could you rate mm-hmm. now? Right. And he's like, could you rate now? Well, because it wasn't in, drilled in us. It was like a week-long lesson about Greek myth and constellations. And here comes right. that inflatable tent you get inside. And they project it up on the, you know, little portable planetarium. And we had that at our public school every year, and I loved it. But they would have all this stuff. And uh, <laughs> so I was listening to this book on my way into it. I was cleaning my garage and listening to this audiobook. Uh, that the Thomas dude sent me, and uh, he's talking about Greek craftsmanship and how it applied like to modern times and how it's getting alien. And he made this comment. This blew my mind. He said, surely technology is great and it's changing our lives for the better in so many different ways. But think about GPS. And me and Luke have brought this up occasionally. I don't know my way around without GPS. (laughs) I don't. Unless I'm super familiar with the place. But I don't need to know my way around. And so people are like, in Houston, all the adults that are older than me navigate by regions of the city. Oh, that's in the Heights. Oh, that's in Uptown. Oh, that's in Rice Village. And I literally have no idea what they're talking about because yeah. I'm like, okay, what's the, what's the GPS coordinate? And the funny thing is, and the funny thing is, <laughs> this guy says this in this book. He's uh, all shining things or things that shine or something like that. The book, he says, the amazing thing about GPS is that it turns me into the robot. It says, turn right now, and I turn right. Even if it's the wrong direction, oh, wow. right? like, turn right now. Okay, I'm turning right. Okay, I'm turning yeah. left. Okay, I'm doing And it's like, I've become the automaton. And the funniest thing is, I've been, I went to Walmart and Target um, the last couple days for two separate reasons. I didn't buy anything. Uh, but I, I walked those aisles. But I kept going up to the maps. And I would stare at the Rand McNally, like, Atlas and map and be like, I should totally buy this and just talk about this stuff with my kids. And I should figure this shit out for myself. Like... <laughs> if, I, if you were to drop me on in Memorial or Montrose in Houston, 
I would have no idea where to go. I'd be like, I think there's a major highway around here somewhere. Hell. <laughs> That's awesome. So we've No, it's been, not. We've been host- <laughs> I'm what? so broken, man. I'm so broken. <laughs> you but but the, but it's not it's not irredeemable, Michael. You can I honestly this. thought you were gonna say it's not your fault. Say it. It's not your it fault. Is your, it is <laughs> your <know>. fault. <laughs> Oh no! This is absolutely. You totally should have bought that map. Do you know? Uh, could you? Could you? Could you put in place all fifty states? Yes, absolutely. And capitals? You could do that. Yeah. Luke, how about you? Uh, yeah. Yes, I probably okay. could. Although uh, when I lived in Colorado, I definitely thought it was higher than it was on the map. So, like, and I just thought it was more north. I was like, oh, it's that far. <laughs> I keep getting confused how far east Ohio is from where I am in Texas. I'm like, yeah, isn't it like just right next to the line of states? Oh, it's even further. We're up. over, yeah. No. We're over there. Yeah. Well, I definitely could. So. I think you do this in fourth grade. I know this because we've been homeschooling my my uh, my two daughters, third and fourth grade. And it occurred to me the last time I studied geography, like the U.S. geography, fourth grade. And maybe I wasn't paying attention yeah. because I, I had a major crush on my teacher at that time. She was beautiful. Um, I actually thought we were going to get married, and then she came in one day to class with an engagement ring on, and she's like, "Hey guys, I got engaged," and all the boys started crying. Dude, literally, <laughs> I had a teacher just like dead that. to me. Oh, yeah. Did you? Yep. So I wasn't paying attention in geography class, but <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm proud to say, I'm proud to say, now I can do it. And uh, that's that's a pretty manly thing. You you got to know the layout of your freaking country. You should know yeah, where the states, yeah. you should know where the states are. I always, I where I have the most issues is the um, a New England area. Everyone has because it's Just so like, small and 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 I hate Vermont. Is really what I'm trying to Vermont. say. We got two listeners from Vermont. That's it. Oh, thank God, we have <laughs> those two now. We, we had one in every state. We had some in like China, but not in Vermont. Wow, for the longest time, for the longest time. Actually, I shouldn't say two listeners. We had two downloads. So. I think they just got podcasts like in 2016 over there. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? There's just one old like hippie woman who's who is there, and <laughs> she's um, into it, man. She's got like, an, these guys are terrible. She's, she's got the old click wheel iPod, and she's like, "Come on, guys, let's make some maple syrup and listen to Kevin Fox." <laughs> this is terrible. Back to my Annie DeFranco. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm a millennial and that means that i love subscription boxes i've done the food boxes i've done the clothes boxes i've even done the glasses boxes and what's great about aluma boxes is you get really cool products along with a great devotional each month so some of the products you get include things from Catholic Beard Bomb, really great like music, and they have these really badass coasters that I just thought looked so awesome. The problem is that a lot of the Catholic stuff out there just is like ugly and awful and stupid and not the stuff that you get in a like a Luma box. So what they have offered is for all of the Catching Foxes fans out there, all of you like fine, fine like listeners, is you can go to the 
like a Luma Box website, which is L-U-M-I-B-O-X.co. Again, that's L-U-M-I-B-O-X.co. And anything you buy, type in the coupon code catching foxes and you will get 10% off the luma box website which is l-u-m-i-b-o-x dot co and you will get 10% off with the code catching foxes a big big like thank you to all the people over at like luma box and now back to the show i kind of want to take this on a far right turn but uh we don't have to do that can, can it can it be an alt right turn i, I can't really verify if uh these are true facts or if it's fake that was a dumb joke i'm sorry <laughs> Boo. i'm really kind of tired of all like the fake news jokes what do you guys think yay nay nay no nah, i don't know <laughs> they are pretty good um okay so i today while i was um at work and i swear that i was working i dis i discovered this artist and her name is let me pull it up here really quick brant <laughs> I have decided. Uh, <laughs> Patsy Klein. Uh, so her name is Julian Baker, and her stuff is phenomenal. I think that I think that I uh, send you to a link. I'm like, yep, obsessed with her. And so turns out she's a diehard. Christian, and it's in like all of her like lyrics, like it's there, and it's beautiful. I mean, it is really, really beautiful. And she also identifies as queer, and I don't a hundred percent like know what that means. I, I know it means that she's a lesbian. I don't know if it means that she's bisexual or what. And it just kind of like hit me where it was one of those things where I thought, you know, ten years ago. That would have probably stopped me from like really from like really like listening to her because it is also that is also just as much as her uh, like faith in Christ is a big part of her art. Mm-hmm. So's her queerness, and I, I don't. I hope I'm using that term. I don't. I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, just that's what her, her sure. words. Um, and it kind of hit me like we're in a time now, and I, I, I and I just kind of hit this point where I was like, you know. I, it's not that I don't care, but I'm also like, she just, it is who she is. And this is really, really good music. And I, I and she's like speaking to me with what she's saying. And, and I want to like, this is really good stuff that I think is worth paying attention to. And I don't know where I'm going with this, but I'd just be curious to get you guys' take because I think it's interesting, like, especially as our culture continues to change in you know a lot of ways that we think aren't good like what where do you draw the, the the line between like the art that you consume well, that's a great Does question that make sense? yeah and and, 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 and and again this is kind of like out of nowhere so if it's something you would rather like not Dude, get into we can just edit it out i love your i love the way that you set that up in your admission of you know, 10 years ago, this might have given you a greater pause or made you even decide not to support her music or listen to her music. Because I, I think that I think that is um, symbolic of the greater attitude, especially the greater Catholic attitude of this whole, you know, this whole lifestyle. Like I, I remember a time and you guys do, too, when 
it wasn't on this wasn't on tv it wasn't talked about it was taboo and then when it was started to be talked about um you know we were almost expected to just distance ourselves uh because it was it was it was outlawed and and it was sinful and it was disordered and immoral and now i think now i think the world wants to know what how are you catholics going to how is the church going to deal with this uh more so than like is the teaching going to change but like how are you going to treat these people you know how are you going to treat people that that are that are um, living this lifestyle and many others if it's a lifestyle that you don't agree with and i think rightly so like the world has the right to ask that question of us and um man i i worked at a i worked at a a catholic high school for three years in campus ministry and i was teaching and it's and it's i'm not going to say the name of school it's known to be kind of a, a liberal progressive school um i loved my time there i worked with a lot of people that are openly gay living with a living with a partner you know that spoke about it in class the students knew about these relationships and and nobody ever asked me where i stood nobody ever asked me hey do you agree with my lifestyle um and i was grateful for that but at the same time you know i was um i was teaching religion i was in campus ministry and um, and i think i think people kind of knew where each other stood on the on the topic but for the first time in my life, and I'm, I'm embarrassed to say this, but for the first time in my life, I had developed relationships, friendships with, with people that are living actively gay lifestyles. And, and, um, and it, it taught me, it taught me so much, you know what I mean? And it was liberating to say, yeah, I've got friends, I've mm -hmm. got friends that are gay. Um, and none of them have ever asked me what I thought. I think they know where I stood, but I, it, you know, it never came up and I never felt the need to hit him over the head with the, you know, the, the orthodoxy stick. Um, but I, I think this, this, what you're hitting on is, um, Francis's word companionship. Is it companionship? What's the word he uses? Accompaniment. 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 Or as we say on Catching Foxes, <laughs> yeah, accompaniment. <laughs> <laughs> There's the explicit tag. <laughs> That was one of our guests, but yes, it was, it's actually true. Yes. That was one of our guests who admitted to same-sex attraction, nice. bisexuality. It's, it's our episode entitled Interview with Joey Jojo Shabbat. Nice. You should listen to it. It's awesome. Yeah, it, um, because, like, well, you know, like, why I wouldn't, like, ten, okay, so, ten, uh, ten years ago, I think why I would not listen to an artist like her mm. So like I would listen to to um, Elton John. He's one of my favorite guys ever. I freaking love Elton John, and I love you know Queen. It's like uh, and like um, those guys are like definitely gay. Mm -hmm. um, and but wait, like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> what? Oh, I was like, are you serious? for half a second, I was like, are you, are you serious? <laughs> nope. <laughs> wait, no. Oh, you you, you meant I'm um, nope as in you are not serious. So. Anyways, um, I, I think why I would have not like listened to her is because even though I would have respected her, I would have found it too exhausting in the sense that I was always tr like it's this ongoing because like I I was raised to think that like it was fine and I and I did not and it really took me sorry for all the noise in my background. Um, 
uh, it, you know, I, I really, it, it was not until I had my conversion. You're okay, honey. You're fine. Sorry. Aaron, Aaron has to come in the kitchen really quick where I'm recording and really, I said really cook. That's weird. <laughs> I can't do t- two things at once, apparently. Um, I'm trying to remember where I was. Your parents raised you to oh, be yeah, so, gay affirming. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Hundred, like hundred percent. Had a you know had a bunch of friends in high school who were who were uh, who were gay, and they you know came out to my parents, you know, um, and to me it was like a you know, and I was um, I was pretty proud of that fact. And I when I had my conversion, I you know that was a little bit was a hard pill to swallow. But but like I you know I said yes I you know understand this and I think it's ultimately it, it, this um, is like a good thing and and I just you know I I wouldn't I would not have listened to an artist like that because it just was it would create too much conflict yeah. within my own heart you know and I, I'm at a point now where I'm just like you know what I'm just not going to try to change anyone's mind anymore like I'm tired of engaging in the, the dialogue about it and I th- I think it's good to do that, but I just mean kind of with the culture as a mm-hmm. whole. So if that's a big part of her music and I think her music is great. And I think that there's this other part that for me really, I mean, it's really some just beautiful in like in, um, insights into what it means to seek God. Um, just like, yeah, I would, I would, I, I, I would rather just, you know, test everything and hold on to the good. There's some really good stuff yeah. there. That's yeah, all. That's well said, man. If we're, if we're going to, if we're going to jettison somebody's art like that, who's, who's openly living the lifestyle that she is, then we also have to get rid of, you know, every artist in our repertoire that's singing about getting drunk or getting laid or getting high. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, it's, you know, it's all disordered as, as the catechism would call it, you know, it's, it's all off the mark. Sorry, Johnny Cash, you gotta go. You and your friend, cocaine, Katie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she sure is cute. This old lady, <laughs> Cocaine Katie. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I remember when I was in high school, there was uh, my brother started pulling away from the faith really hard, and he got into some like super dark death metal and things like that. And and I could go along with it somewhat when it was more like just hardcore music. I was into that. I liked that. But then it was um, the band Tool. And I like the band Tool. I like the guy's voice, Maynard's voice, the lead singer. But the guy is just, I mean, he thinks he knows angelic languages. Uh, You know, he has a whole, I mean, it's like Luciferian slash New Age slash weird magic shit. And, you know, I mean, there are aspects of it where he would uh, openly attack Christianity and all this stuff. But then you start to listen. You start to really listen to these songs, and you find that they're, especially in the 90s, right, they're not really attacking Christ. They're attacking their experience of Christianity, especially through the lens of, like, tele-evangelists mm. and, the, and the moral majority and things like that that, for me, was Christ, was the church, right. was the only way you could be political in the world was through the mor- the moral majority and the religious right. And, you know, we were super conservative in so many ways. 
but conservative was only also conservatism, which is a multifaceted thing. We were just neoconservatives. We were whatever the pop talking heads told us to be. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, um, I mean, I you know, like a song like uh, like Chop Suey by that band. What's the band? Um, uh, System of a Down. Yeah, System of a Down. I can remember as a Catholic kid trying to, because I loved that song, trying to justify listening to it so desperately and then being like, I can't justify this. They just, they're just so anti-Christian. And they would say things like, I cry when angels deserve to die. And I just thought, oh, well, I mean Satan. And then there's a part where they scream out, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. Why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? And I can remember listening to that or Metallica's Until It Sleeps when that song came out. And I'm just trying to just, and I was like, this is exhausting. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> but, but then you come to find out when you actually plunge into the art itself, that system of a down, they're all Armenians. And most of everything they do is actually to raise awareness for the Armenian genocide by, by Turkey 100 years ago. Wow. Yeah, I mean, like, and I was always wondering why Rage Against the Machine and System of a Down were always grouped together. And I was like, Rage Against the Machine is, like, super commie, like, very political. And I never bought, I never owned System of the Down CDs. Like, I did Rage Against the Machine, which is so funny. But uh, <laughs> I, I owned everything Rage has ever produced. But then you have this, and and I, I didn't understand until, oh, it's a political activism that was beyond me. And the I cry when angels deserve to die might have an allegorical meaning connected to the Armenian genocide and the destruction of innocent children and people being slaughtered just because they're Christian and like all this stuff. And I was like, oh, it turns out art is not merely a black and white moralism that I want it to be. And I think Mm. for me that helped not like because I'm still like garbage in, garbage out. Like I understand that. I understand that I, when I feast on things like Game of Thrones, I have to be really careful about that stuff. Not because just it's por- pornographic, but also there's so much nihilism and, mm. and anti, not just anti-Christianity, but anti-religion in general. Or, so there's a lot of this stuff that I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like there, there's, there's more layers in art than I feel like many without an imagination or an artistic sensibility can understand. Mm-hmm. And they just see a lyric that seems questionable, and they're like, well, screw this, screw that, boycott this, burn that, get rid of this. And it's like, yeah, this is, there's a realism here that we're missing. I don't know. I'm whining. I'm whining. <laughs> well, that's why I like you. Uh, I mean, so I'm not real into you, too. But I do like like his more big spiritual stuff mm-hmm. because I, you can just see that like longing in his heart for God. Yeah. And even though I'm, I think, I mean, I, I, again, I don't know that much about the band, so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it's you can tell that like it's there, and it, it, it. But it's not like in this pristine, wrapped, clean package that some people might mm-hmm. want. Very few people are uh, are pure evil. You know, and have pure evil intent. Most of us are, most of us want to do the right thing, want to leave the world a better place, want to be the best that we can be, or at least we want to try to be good, whatever that means. Not everybody agrees on what that means, but you know what I mean? Most Mm -hmm. people want to be good. And and, and artists too, you know, songwriters and, and, uh, and authors and all this stuff, the content that's out there. Um, I love it what Gomer's saying and, and the, you brought this up. If we have, if we have the ability to discern 
uh, what's beautiful in there, then I think we can find, we can, first of all, it bridges the gaps between us because we realize, okay, you know, there's, there's, there's some darkness in here. There's some groaning in here. There's some evil in here even, but there's also a desire for something that's beautiful, for something that stays, for something that's even holy, you know, even if it's to raise awareness about a genocide that happened a hundred years ago. And, um, and we can't just throw it out, you know, I, I think, and, and an artist, a good artist writes something that makes us think in those ways, in those terms, like what, what are they saying? What is the deeper meaning here? Um, and what does it mean about humanity? What does it mean about the afterlife? If there is one, what does it mean for me? Mm-hmm. So who are, uh, who are like, um, like, I knew you'd ask me this. You're out about this. Yeah, like, well, so like, who are like, your like big artists? Like, who do you go to when you want to feel inspired? Well, this is uh, this is something weird about me, man. I don't listen to a ton of music, actually. Oh, yeah, really? I don't listen to a ton of music. I have. You just have album number two, three, and four. Constantly <laughs> album number one in the trash can. Two, three, and four going. I really don't, and it's probably one of the reasons why I have a hard time writing because I, I know that good. I know that really good art. Um, begets more good art. So mm-hmm. let's see. I'm looking. Um, transubstantiation. <laughs> Dude, one of my new favorites is um, Jason Isbell. He was featured on NPR uh, maybe a year ago. I went and bought his album. Just awesome. I think I, I I'm a. I love that you sent that today, Luke, because I'm a singer songwriter i love that whole genre especially where singer songwriter meets like folk and americana mm-hmm. um, but i also love really experimental stuff um uh so i've kind of actually i have a I have a note on my iphone with like all these all these songwriters that i never i never got into before so trying to go through them one by one ryan adams get, starting to love his music um bonnie bonnie nice. Vare. He's got a oh, Bonnie yeah. Fair's got a, a concert that I just can't get enough of, man, and I listen to it over and over again. Um, just so I know, <laughs> it's kind of like on Finding Nemo when, when uh, oh shoot, what's the dad's name? He's talking to the little turtle. He's like, I know you're trying to say something to me, but I don't know what it is. I, I know, <laughs> I know that there's some some deep messages there, and I, I find if you have to go back to the lyric. And the melody, and you got to really sit with it. That 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 artist is really trying to get you to think. Uh, so anyway, I love I love his sound, but I really don't. I don't sit around. I don't listen to a bunch of music. The only time in my day that I put music on is when I'm cooking. And usually it's like the folk station, you know, just for background music. Yeah, just Death Cab for Cutie on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man, they're actually going to be in town this weekend. Wow. Oh, how ironic, because you two was just in town last weekend. And they played their entire Joshua Tree album. Did they? Yeah. Wow. From back to front, I hear. From back to front. I've heard that they're really good. Yep. Especially when he opens up one side of his leather jacket, revealing the American flag (laughs) stitched inside. And the whole world loses its mind in joy. <laughs> One cacophony of awesome America just arising out of our Bono hearts. loves America. Bono! Bono! What have you done? 
Oh, uh, that's what, yeah, I, I went through, um, I mean, it would make sense if, you know, like, uh, you have six kids and a job and a wife and a life, like, probably, you know, don't have time to, you know, to dive into uh, the new Counting Crows album, so I understand. <laughs> I do, however. <laughs> no, I, um, I went, th- I went uh, th- this was through this, like, weird thing from, like, 2009 to 2012 or so. I really stopped listening to like a whole lot of music and just did podcasts. Uh-huh. Also known as Gomer's Life. <laughs> yeah, just like, but then in the past like five years, I've really just kind of dived back into it. I'm like, oh, there's so much good stuff now. And I'm about to buy a turn, a, a turntable. So nice. I'm pumped about that. That's it. Boo. Yep, that's awesome. Hey, so I need Boo. you to, I need you to send me some of your favorite artists. Cause seriously, so we've been, we've been living the Catholic hippie lifestyle um i'm a full-time singer songwriter um musician type except i I don't stay up late and i don't listen to tons of music that's weird (laughs) you are missing out you gotta start smoking i know you gotta you gotta i don't know have some wound that you gotta deal with get dragged that up right you gotta exploit this right (laughs) yeah i'm really like i'm really you're right I'm more like a farmer. I'm like early to bed, early to rise. So I have to break myself of these mm. awful habits to get into the musician mindset. But, <laughs> yeah. but in the You've fall, got to out, man. the kids are going back to Catholic school, which we're pretty pumped about. So I'll have more time to listen and to write. But I don't have a commute. I sit. I work from home. So I got to like find times to listen to music. Get a dog. Walk the dog. Yeah. We have a dog. Or, or do, when you're when you're doing your ballet in the garage. Oh, that's true. Uh, just let's put on. Just put on the latest folk jam. Hadn't thought of that. Buy a turntable. Put yourself on it. Sit on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> put the needle. Put the needle in your in your lap, and then see what happens. <laughs> How did this go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> well, my turntable's broken, and I have a hole in my penis. Another hole. In my penis. <laughs> Second hole in my penis. Spun me around, right round like a rabbit baby round. round. <laughs> It's terrible. <laughs> so Ben, you so your job is full time singing and songwriting. You don't have any other side stuff. No, not at all. I have um, the only other Gutsy thing bro. that's Gutsy the bro. only other thing that is uh, semi constant is Tuesday morning school mass for our parish school kids, which I love. I love doing that. But yeah, other than that, it's it's really it is very frightening because we have six kids. Uh, so. All of the working dads out there would understand. You know, we're we're in like insurance limbo. Um, yeah. I, I mm. my wife and I are covered right now. The kids are, you know, it's a crapshoot. We just <laughs> tell them. Well, kids, this week you two are covered. Next week you four will be covered. Don't break a leg. <laughs> Don't ride your skateboard too fast. <laughs> uh, so there's that, and uh, yeah, there's just like not you know I don't have an office. I I don't have I don't have colleagues, and so staying connected to people is is really important. And I do have an awesome group of guys, um, group of men here, really, that have kind of become an extended household for me. You know, we, we've been meeting regularly and, and praying together and just walking together. So that that really has been life-giving for me. Um, yeah, and it's a weird, you know, the church is weird up here, isn't it, Luke? The church is weird up here, and it's certainly no, it's certainly no Houston, Texas. It's no South, you know? Mm, no. So no. we move. We, so vibrant. So vibrant. So so wealthy, resourced. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. We Our pay is... our people a living wage. Imagine that, mother. <laughs> Ours is so dying. I've um, always liked Ben how 
positive you've always been. Like anytime, anytime that I have interacted with um, uh, uh, with you, you, you've always just been like very like upbeat and kind of um, like where I can be kind of like negative. So I'm gonna try to um, try to not be like negative. I do see in parts of the country that have been traditionally Catholic in certain areas, there is a lot of great new stuff happening. It's just all really small. Mm -hmm. It's just working out of, it's out of people's homes. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Kind of like a community group. (laughs) A small Christian community. (laughs) There. Yeah. I think you're right. This is a great place. You know, where, where we live, uh, and Ohio is a funny place because we're like, we're really close to, the Northeast, but we're not considered the Northeast. We're considered the Midwest. But when I first moved here from Houston, it felt an awful lot to me like uh, like the Northeast in the sense that churches were closing and consolidating and schools were closing and everybody's like, holy crap, what are we doing? But it's a great place for the new evangelization. And, you know, we're, we're, ne- we're not, you're not going to see a lot of 400, 500 number youth groups. You know what I mean? No, no, no. But yeah. it's really good people who really love their work and they love their parishes. And um, man, I'm just I'm just so impressed, man. I, I went to speak to a group of eighth graders uh, a couple weeks ago at a parish not far away, and uh, it's a small group, 14 eighth graders. And you know, I, I told them I was like, I get this because my high school graduating class was nine. That's pretty weird, isn't it? You really? know who else? Nine. You know who else was in that graduating class? You know two of them. Jeremy Barda, Aaron Barda, Aaron Barda, <laughs> Aaron. And do you know Chris Vaughn? Yeah. Do you know Chris Vaughn? Okay. So yeah, thirty. I don't think I did. Thirty percent of us. Chris, uh, great, great, great dude. Oh, so okay, so wait, so they're so you're from Dallas? Yep. Oh, cool. Okay. How do you not have an accent? I don't think I ever did, man. I don't think I ever did. But my mom, dude, I used to I used to prank call my mom from from college, and I would be like, I'd call her up and put on some some ridiculous accent, and I always threw her off. But every 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 time I called, it seemed like my mom sounded more and more like a hick. <laughs> so it's out there. Uh, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on, y'all? How y'all doing? Yeah, Commissioner. I got. Commissioner's office. Got this hay seed. Yeah. Got this hay seed in my mouth. How did that happen? <laughs> Hi, y'all. High school football. So <laughs> Friday night live. Here's y'all. Something. You guys are doing something. I mean, this, I wanted to ask you guys about nope. this. So Oh yeah. I have a <laughs> Go on. I have a so you <laughs> download this is, numbers? This is kind of funny. You <laughs> you uh you interviewed my wife a few months ago. Which is awesome because my wife has an amazing online presence you know she's connected to a lot of people online she's she really has a gift of intercessory mm-hmm. prayer and um, yeah. just feels called to you know get those prayer intentions out there and she has a real heart for people that have have suffered great tragedies you know the loss of a child um, especially you know miscarriage things like that and she is kicking ass online dude she is she is connected to, to you know 
so many people and people know they can reach out to Maria for prayers and all this. And she's posting things. She's prolific. She's a prolific social media guru. And I am happy to put my phone down and to be away from my computer all day. I would rather be outside building something or going for a run, uh, not listening to music. Um, but so how, how did you guys, how did you guys decide to get into this, you know, to create this podcast and, um, did you ever have an aversion to social media yourselves? Go. Sure. Um, we've always like been into podcasts pretty much since like day one. I mean, I can, um, I remember when I was at porch rocking back in 2007. So this is 10 years ago. That's crazy. Um, I had the idea to do a thing called podcast, uh, podcast like Friday, where we're going to just like have like audio things or just like have like, or have like, uh, have like video things we're going to put out every week. And I think the podcast just kind of came about because we were like, you know what, we've got some stuff to that, like, that's important to talk about that's not being talked Mm -hmm. about. You know, a lot of the Catholic stuff that I saw or things that were discussed with within that world were just now like, um, honestly, I didn't listen to like anything that was Catholic, but, but like I meant more just in terms of the books, the talks, the things that I would kind of hear besides podcast were all pretty clean and real and pretty like safe and tame and I had no real in no real desire to like partake in them mm-hmm. or to to read them or whatever. And so we I uh, we started doing the podcast because that was the like medium that I think we both just were in love with. And so if we were going to, and so I think it was about it was really kind of those two those two areas that came together just all like love of podcasts and the desire to talk about things that weren't being talked about Mm -hmm. and now once we kind of dived in that world there were people doing really great things that i that i just didn't like know about uh, the podcast catholic stuff and then like all those other things that are out there now that i just really had no idea existed Mm -hmm. And so, like, it was it was kind of like the best of both worlds, I I guess. And then in terms of, there are times I've wanted to just because I because I mean, like what uh, we were both on Twitter back in two thousand eight, right? Yeah, right, Gilmore. Yeah, I've been on like, Twitter since forever, like uh, the beginning almost. We were early adopters onto all of all um, of the Facebook stuff, and so I think we're both extreme extroverts who love to talk mm-hmm. and like share stuff and in good and, and good and bad ways. So it just felt like, Oh, and like we both like tech stuff. Gomer is a little bit, um, he is more into it than I am, but it's always been like, it's always been an interest of, of mine. So it just kind of happened, yeah. you know? And, um, there are times I've wanted to get off like Facebook, but because I get so tired of it, but I haven't because it actually like um, prevents certain like members mm-hmm. of like my family from like uh, because they're all back in they're all out in the Arizona mm-hmm. 
area. Um, they just they all just like want to know what's going mm-hmm. on in my life. So, but then I do. There are times where I can be like, I'm on this way too much. I need to kind of curtail that. So that's that's been a struggle of mine for the past two years. And I just <laughs> went on and on. I'm sorry. I honestly feel like I do not have a problem with social media being on it and stuff. I real I get really annoyed with facebook so i I mean you know the whole friends thing right i have like two thousand friends which means facebook no longer shows me a feed based on what people are posting they only show me a feed based manipulated by their algorithm that presents what they think i want to see so if i frequent certain people a lot more than other people or certain chat rooms more not chat rooms but groups more than other things then it'll put those posts in my feed a lot and then it'll start notifying me about it and uh, it's it's been so annoying for me that I just don't even because I'll see a post from like two days ago right next to a post from two hours ago, and I'm just like this timeline crap is is a disaster. And so Twitter, you know, if I'm really on Twitter, I'm in the bathroom. That's when I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm <laughs> in the bathroom. I get like I'll, I'll just get a whole bunch of things at once. Yeah, that's exactly why. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll go to the bathroom. I'll pull open Twitter if I don't have a book with me. Or if I'm in an airport and I'm waiting to get on my plane, I'll pull it up and I'll be like, yeah, it's time for engagement. But I would say I would say this. You know, I've thought of getting rid of Facebook, but Facebook really is for me. I mean, like, I have a handful of people that I want desperately to stay in touch with, and I want to post pictures, and I want to see their pictures and comments on things and people that I follow. That's all I use it for. And I think that people that do social media right, do it because they have an audience they want to engage with, like your wife. Your wife has a ministry focus for Facebook. Yes, she can post pictures of her kids and share a little bit of her life with anyone who cares to follow or friend or whatever. But on top of it, she has an audience of people who will pray for the people that she posts and will send to her prayer requests, and that's like a major way to do that. Um, that I, I feel like if... If you're using Facebook as your only broadcast medium I, I, or you're, you're actually trying to stay plugged into everything and everyone, it's going to kill you. It is going to kill you. And so um, for me, I feel like if you don't have a real engagement with people, then just end it. You don't need the clutter in your life. You're not missing out. <laughs> you know, there's, no, there's no real fear there. And then the, the thing with us in starting the podcast for me was just two words, passive income. <laughs> and, now, and now we're rolling in the dough thanks right. to lumabox.co lumabox well like Helen, people yeah. in this industry though you know it it is it it's it is the way to reach people out there and yeah. i just i dread it man it's the part of my yeah. ministry that i yeah. hate I really, that's why you hire people to do I that. I really do hate, and I and and we're a single income family, and I can't afford to hire somebody to. I really should, no, that's why you get a I, high school student have, to do hire it. Hire my wife. I'm gonna I'm gonna hire out my wife. <laughs> Wait a second, your wife? <laughs> Come on, <laughs> two birds, one stone. <laughs> but it made me look awesome. No, made me look awesome. But you know, I I do think there's a thing <laughs> to be said about just like play to your strengths. And if that's not one of your strengths, you know, um, I mean, it's good to it's good to be on there, but there's there's a really big difference between being on there and like doing it well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like, there's not a lot of people who like there are really very there's not a lot of big people that I interact with 
on Twitter or on Facebook or who I really pay attention to, that's probably a better way to put it, because they're not putting out anything mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you who I like on Facebook because they just don't put out really good, good right. stuff. There's a few, like, there's, like, honestly, the only people that I pay attention to on Twitter that I don't know are, are sport mm-hmm. writers or podcasters that I like, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you think bands. about if you think about Twitter as a bl- a broadcasting medium and a news medium, and you don't think of it, I mean, because the problem is this: like, if let's say you create your fancy Twitter account for Ben Walter Music, which I think you already have, don't you already have? Yeah, one? yeah, and I use it. Yeah, I use it regularly, but not uh, not enough. You don't not enough. Yeah, but so the problem is like. Do you have a core following, and do they use Twitter? Right. If you have a core following of people and they're all on Facebook, then being on Twitter is just going to sap your energy. Yeah. If they're all on Facebook and they want to go to your Facebook page and engage with you there, then that's a whole new thing that, you know, I mean, for us, we have a Twitter account that gets, you know, we'll push something out. Luke will push something out. And it'll get, you know, maybe two likes or three likes or whatever. But on our Facebook page, that is mm-hmm. where we engage with our fans. Mm. That is, they can go on There's Facebook. A lot more. Yeah. yeah, they can go on Facebook and send us a message. And depending on whether me or Luke are in the bathroom, we're going to answer that message, right? <laughs> I mean, it's going to get answered to the best of our ability as soon as we can. You send us an email, things start to slow down because it gets lost in all the email. But Facebook group, the Facebook group of Catching Foxes or the page, um, is I think it's been the best thing for us. Because that allows, and we're lucky, instead of you, maybe your wife can help out on this, but we're lucky that we can tag team it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, engagement. Engagement. I think that's where the importance of um, having a label comes in, because they can do a oh, lot yeah. of lake work for you. Now, it's so crazy now. I, I mean, I don't, I don't even know how half the labels are even exist right. any anymore to be blunt like they all have got bare bone staffs and try, you know so I, I don't know if this is even possible but i do know like they there are people who just do that on behalf of the artist or um yeah they'll, they'll just kind of cultivate the community ar- around the mm-hmm. artist or their um interest where it's not like a band run thing because so it's possible like that's you know and then again when, when you have a labeler that's a whole other right you know, this this is one of those areas, kind of back to um, back to songwriting and and just being a musician. Like, this is one of those areas. If I was just if I was like a country music guy, I I would have no problem self promoting the hell out of this thing. You know what I mean? But because yeah. I'm a worship mm-hmm. leader and I write yeah. songs yeah. for the church, promote the hell out of right. it. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what you should do. And and so like there's. I think that we're we're still trying to figure this thing out, and um, because there's a healthy level of hey, this is what I do, and I'm here, and I've given my life to the church, I've given my livelihood to the church. I'm never going to make I'm never going to make the salary that I might have made if I went into the corporate world, mm-hmm. um, and I'm okay with that. But uh, you know, as a as a as a musician. Um, as a songwriter, it's difficult to know, and I, I wish you know. I wish there were people in place, and I, I do. I, you know, I have, I have the great fortune of um, my music. A lot of my music is now published with Oregon Catholic Press and Spirit and Song, and so I, I love. You know, for me, that's a great fit. I love to belong to that 
that um, publishing house really. It's not a record label. They don't do, uh, you know, they don't they don't do some of the things. A lot of the the marketing and the cold calls and the promotional stuff that a record label would do. But just to have a place to belong is is pretty great. But yeah, it is it is difficult to know because it's easy um, in ministry in the church now. It's easy if you experience some kind of success and, and actually you guys were talking about this the other, the other day I was listening to uh, one of your last podcasts with Mr. Carey and you were talking, yeah, so it was just, you were talking it was just about how, what... yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And you were talking about how God might destroy a ministry, um, you know, in, in your best interest, you know, if you're getting too big for yourself, if you're, you know, if you're growing too big for your britches, uh, or, or if it's, you know, the words are from uh, That's right. Soul of the Apostle, right. where he says, God the Father owes it to the incarnate Son That's right. uh, to destroy ministries that are based not on the supernatural life and an interior yeah, life, yeah, but yeah. are the pride of the Apostle. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of cool, though, that like you have an opportunity to kind of just do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. like. Because if you were on um, a label, they would expect you to be out on the road, right? You know, and they would there would be certain things that you would have to owe to, like uh, you know, owe them. I mean, because it's you know you're going in the business w- w- with them, they're gonna um, invest in you, and like you don't have to worry about like you can really go wherever God is calling you to. But there is always that little kind of like where's the balance? Not like the balance, but like you also have a family. So yeah. how do you, what's the prudent thing? Yeah. Now Ben, to do? yeah, I think though, I think though today because of the technology artists like Ben who have number one, you already have a following people. You have a name that is out in the world. And at the same time, you have a tremendous, how many instruments do you play? Oh, really? Just three. Four. Oh, 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 just three, four, maybe twelve. If I stretch it. Oh, <laughs> my name is Ben. Okay, listen. There's only one thing I play, and that's a keyboard that's connected to a computer, not a real keyboard. Nice. So when you think I can about, play the, uh, I can play a G chord on a guitar. Nice. I, I can I can select a didgeridoo from a pull down menu on Logic <laughs> Pro. Um, but no, what what my thing is for someone like you, right? Is you have this setup in your home to do this. You know, you got a fancy microphone, all this stuff. It's it's so much of the old format. Like, I feel like it's so easy to get locked back into the old format of, well, I'm a musician, I'm a Christian worship leader, and I make praise and worship albums and stuff like that. And it's like, well, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can make you can make mm-hmm. instrumentals and sell them online. You can you can write a theme song for a show and sell it to us. Please don't. I really like the music that we have, and I'd feel guilty that I have to buy it. Catching foxes, catching foxes, yeah. <laughs> Transubstantial foxes. Okay, yeah. But this Luke and Goma having fun, saying things I kind of regret. <laughs> <laughs> we might get fired next week. Um. But so the the notion is, though, that you have, I mean, if you sit there and think about it, not a lot of people in the world have the talent that you have. And the people of, of the many people that do have that talent, none of them have, very few of them have the following that you already have. So a lot of the paradigms that we do is we look at new media and we say things like, how can I do the same thing that I've been doing on this new media? And the people who are successful with it, and I go back to our interview with that Catholic couple that Daniel said, mm-hmm. 
was too many people look at YouTube as like a place to dump video. He's like, don't do that. It's not, or you can do that, but that's not the point of YouTube. The point that's of YouTube is creating the like, culture. yeah, yeah, it's not the culture of YouTube. Thank you, Luke. And, and he's like, the culture of YouTube is creating these blogs where there, you create this feedback loop with the people who really like your stuff. And in order to do that, it can't just be an album released every three or four years, and it can't just be you playing those songs from that album and covering other people's songs every time they do adoration, right? It has to be more of your life and your personal stuff. It has to be, you know, there's a broader, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a broader range, but the access, literally, you publish a video, and it is potentially able to be seen by most people in the world. I mean, that is astounding. Mm -hmm. So once you look at it from that perspective, you're like, well, now I have a skill and a talent that very few people have. And of all those people, people already know me. So I already have a name that's out there. So I, instead of just focusing on writing an album that has mostly worship songs, right? You would say that? Yes, yeah. No? no? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you can, you can change it to different things. You can mold it in different ways. You can release single free tracks of alternative versions of your mm-hmm. songs and let that, like, I can dolo, let me use Crooked Soul because he 100% owns that. And so on the show that I had with him, I had Crooked Soul um, playing at the end of it. And, you know, it's stuff like that that if you're not tied to a label in that way, you have a lot more freedom. And now the Internet gives you the power to use that freedom like a, like a crazy person. Yeah, You're right. Well, thanks for all the, the affirmations in there, man. I, I should pay extra for that. I'm not affirming you. I'm exhorting you, you man. Did. You're sitting on a <laughs> gold mine. <laughs> and we want a 10% cut. No, it's, I mean, like, um, Passive this is actually one key thing that I forgot when you asked me how we started this. I don't know if you remember this, but like two years ago, I had this idea. I re- This is my dream. I want to release a compilation on, um, on like, on like vinyl and that and uh i approached all these different people that i know who are like are all like doing stuff and i was like hey i've you mm. know i have this idea tell me tell me on oh, what you think about it and like probably i asked probably about 10 different artists and they were all like that's amazing that's great i like i would love i would i'm a love to be a part of this and i kind of stopped and, and, and you know i was like okay so this is going to cost me about two to three thousand mm-hmm. dollars it's like okay and then it's going to be like, who is this going to be um, sold to? And I just kind of realized I have no audience. Mm. And <laughs> I started to think of like the different podcasts that I like that like did do things like that. I was like, well, that'd be kind of cool. And it kind of got my brain going in terms of like, wait, we could do a podcast. You know, and, 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 and just like, I mean, that was not the only reason, but it was just, it kind of got the conversation going in my head about that. And just, um, and so it's uh, you don't ever really know what when you start w- w- with like one thing what actually ends up happening right. you know so which does mean like because because like you know, like at this point in time like we'll probably get like five thousand downloads on this episode at least and that like that's in the back of my life you know that we have an audience what are the different things that we could do with that mm-hmm. now we also would have to stay true to like who we are and what is um our voice and blah, blah, I mean, so blah. things like detonating my neighbor's goat on the show, would that be something? <laughs> huge, huge. Yes. Do, oh, it do it yeah, now. Do it now. Do it now. Also, the Facebook Live. My neighbor, uh, on the, pass, okay, pass my neighbor on the other side has a pool, and we could fill it full of oobleck. 
we could just do that. <laughs> but don't don't tell him. Don't tell him. And then when yeah. he goes to take that sweet summer dip, they'll never Google notice. That time. They'll never notice. We could do a Kickstarter just to do that. <laughs> Honey, what is wrong with the pool? We have the power. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. You can find Luke at the Luthi, me at the Le- at Le Evangelist, and Ben Walter Music at Ben Walter Music. Right? Is that you on Twitter? Sure. It is. It is. It is on everything. Instagrams, Twitter, my the MySpace, the Face, all the things. I'm a millennial, and that means that I love subscription boxes. For all of the Catching Foxes fans out there, is you can go to the like Luma Box website, which is L-U-M-I-B-O-X.co. Again, that's L-U-M-I-B-O-X.co. And anything you buy, type in the coupon code Catching Foxes, and you will get 10% off. I'm a millennial.